1: You save the most at coast to coast Right here in Devil's Lake You save the most at coast to coast On every purchase you make On hardware and on sporting goods On housewares and auto supplies You say the most at coast to coast That's why it satisfies you Ooh. Right, drop in and meet the tailors At your home-owned coast to coast store Right next door to the Ramsey Bank In downtown Devil's Lake Terms are available on any purchase. And very first time you stop at your Devil's Lake Coast to Coast store, you learn that... You save the most at Coast to Coast right here in Devil's Lake. You save the most at Coast to Coast on every purchase you make. On hardware and on sporting goods, on housewares and auto supplies. You save the most at Coast to Coast.
0: That's why it satisfies you. I love America. It's been my home all my life. If you don't know, you the, don't past, know the past, you're only you're doomed, doomed to repeat it. it. Welcome to Public Access America. This is your history. This is your this country. Is your country. This, is this is America. Join us in listening to some of history's Americas Best speeches, created by Jarcode's production. go back go in time, back in with, time us. with us, right now, right on public, public Access, Access. America. America.
1: Uh, there are basically two uh, positions, two objectives as far as we are concerned. One, the liberation uh, of all our occupied territories, uh, occupied in June of 67. The second, uh, the recognition of the rights of the Palestinians to self-determination the rights recognized by the United Nations so many times in the past. I believe that uh, the uh, people of Jordan, both in the occupied territory and uh, here, have exercised their right to resist aggression and to resist occupation. And uh, continue to do so, so long as uh, uh, there is occupation. In a situation where Palestinian guerrillas could feel free to hijack foreign airliners to the Jordanian desert, it must seem to the world as if no part of King Hussein's Jordan is free of occupation. Beneath the flag of Palestine, threats of violent death hung over the captive passengers and crews. Jordan was not even party to the negotiations for their release. This week, Echo looks at Hussein, king of an occupied land. Israeli tanks stand guard over the occupied lands west of the Jordan River, as they have done since the 1967 war. While they remain, King Hussein has no answer to the strident demands of the Palestinian Arabs, whose organizations effectively control large areas of his remaining territory to the east of the River Jordan. Across the river Israeli bulldozers clear the scrub which in the past gave cover for commando operations in the occupied zone. The ceasefire has brought an uneasy quiet to the riverside but the Jordanian regular troops on the east bank remain on the alert waiting for the sharp reprisals that would follow any new guerrilla attack. This vital irrigation system has been an Israeli target in the past Despite the tense situation to their rear, the Jordanian guns still point westwards towards the lands lost three years ago. Jerusalem, holy city alike to Muslim, Christian, and Jew, was the scene of the bitterest fighting in 1967. The loss of the old city along with the other holy places has wounded Arab pride as much as it has destroyed Jordan's pilgrim and tourist trade. Here, Arabs and Jews pass each other apparently without hostility in the narrow streets and share the same economy. But it is unlikely in the present state of Middle East tension that the old memories can be forgotten. A gulf still separates the victors from the vanquished. Whatever happens to the rest of the West Bank, few can believe Israel will ever give up old Jerusalem with its holiest of all Jewish shrines, the Wailing Wall. Those who pray here are fulfilling a dream their people kept alive in centuries of exile. Arabs who lived nearby had to leave their homes in order that the dream could be fulfilled. Whatever the rights and wrongs of the Middle East conflict, the cruel truth is that the Jewish dispersion of the past has been mirrored by an Arab dispersion in our own times. Thousands of refugees left their homes in the wake of the Six-Day War to seek shelter in the Arab-held lands east of the river. Some later returned to their homes on the West Bank, but most remained in Jordan. For many of them, Jordan had nothing to offer but the squalor and the misery of the refugee camps. Six new camps were added to the four left over from the earlier Arab-Israeli war. In them live the 40% of refugees that the tottering Jordanian economy cannot absorb. Living conditions could be better if the camps were rebuilt as permanent settlements, but the refugees will not agree to this. They insist on seeing themselves as temporary squatters. This obstinacy makes United Nations relief work difficult And preserves the camps as breeding grounds for Palestinian nationalism. And so the flag of Palestine flies on Jordanian soil. The young refugees faced with high unemployment are easily drawn into the fedayeen, the guerrilla organizations which defy Hussein's authority. Their political leaders have found a new unity in their opposition to the ceasefire, another challenge to King Hussein. But they exist in a vacuum, and this encourages extremism. The moderates among the Palestinians have little control over extreme elements like the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine. The recent hijackings, widely condemned in the Arab world, were the work of this group. Its leader is a volatile and forceful Christian-Arab doctor, George Habash. Already this year, there have been serious clashes between Palestinian and Jordanian forces. For months, King Hussein has lived with the knowledge that any attempt to discipline the guerrillas would create the risk of civil war. The dilemma that faces Hussein is a world away from the atmosphere in which his forebears raised the standard of Arab revolt against the Turks early this century. His family, claiming descent from the prophet Muhammad, came from the far south. His grandfather Abdullah became first emir, then king of Transjordan, the same area that Hussein rules today, but in those days still a desert kingdom. Only in 1949 was his power extended to the West Bank, taking in the Arab half of partitioned Palestine with all its unsolved problems. Two years later Abdullah was assassinated, victim of an Arab fanatic, and his ailing son succeeded him. Hussein was still at school in Britain and proceeded to officer training there before returning to inherit the troubled kingdom. The young king's modern style promised well for the still backward country. He showed himself as much at home in a supersonic jet fighter as his ancestors had been on their camels. Walker hunters like this were later to become the backbone of his Air Force. At the time of his second marriage in 1961 to the English born Princess Muna, who later presented him with a son, his popularity among his people seemed at its height the wide social and economic divisions which existed between the two halves of his country were also beginning to narrow. Hussein identified himself with efforts to reduce his country's heavy dependence on foreign aid and develop a self-sufficient economy. But in 1969 when he opened the extensive new deep-water port facilities at Aqaba, Jordan had been shorn by war of half its habitable land and many of its major resources. The port itself was cut off from much of its trade by the closure of the Suez Canal. From his greatly weakened position, King Hussein has thrown himself passionately into the search for a negotiated settlement of the Middle East problem. He has often shown greater flexibility than his fellow Arab leaders, while at the same time, trying to preserve a common policy among them, in spite of their political differences. He has not hesitated to sit down with Palestinian leaders like Yasser Arafat at international conferences, despite the tensions that exist between their supporters in Oman. But peace negotiations between the two men have broken down, and they face each other as commanders of opposing armies. In the crisis situation that faces Hussein in his occupied country, his main strength lies where it always has done, in the passionate loyalty of his troops. Until recently, his problem has been to restrain them from a possibly disastrous confrontation with the Palestine guerrillas. But with the appointment of a military government and the establishment of martial law, it seems he has been forced to go back on this policy of compromise. After months of squabbling among themselves, the Palestinians are united against him, and the future of the Kingdom of Jordan is in jeopardy. Hussein, the young king who has spent half his life on an uneasy throne, has at best a hard road ahead.
0: podcast public access america you can find it on itunes google play player fm tune in radio and even the stitcher smart radio app it's so cool not good not but are you a German spy? Cause that sounds like technology. It's like that new thing, the radio, or a newspaper for your ears. You can even follow their production company, Jar Codes, on Twitter or Facebook and find all new episodes posted every day. Oh, that's cool. I don't care nothing about no planes, but I gotta hear the latest episode of Public Access America now. Oh, well, watch the bomb. You can even go to their YouTube channel at Public Access America and find great videos from time. It's so cool. Go check out public Access America. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course the cost. Well, better help can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home.